Welcome in, everyone. Happy Tuesday. It is This Week in Hockey and the Beauty of Technology. Alex Ferrario with you and Joe Vitale live from Tampa Bay, Florida. Joey V, how's the sunshine, buddy? Uh, Alex, good, buddy. How am I coming in? Am I coming in clear, um, Houston? You are coming in hot. Shh, over. Check okay, one, two. Sh- yeah, I feel like we're uh, the Apollo 13 mission where I'm um, uh, got this weird technology that through this app, though, apparently it's going to get the quality across. And we're going to be able to do these things when I'm on the road. So this is good stuff. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. And we got two hours of hockey talk for you tonight. As so far this season, it's just been one hours because there's been blues hockey. There's been Billikens basketball, but it is two straight hours of hockey talk with Joe Vitale and Alex Ferrario tonight with you. And as the blues are out on the road still, of course, coming off of that loss to Nashville on Monday and. And now you get Tampa Bay tomorrow, Dallas on Friday, Pittsburgh on Saturday, and then right back out onto the road. No better way to celebrate Thanksgiving, right, Joe? Well, I tell you what, Alex, we're we're logging some miles this week, and and not to even the hockey was one thing, and I'm actually throwing even another plane trip, two more, because I'm going to Atlanta for the actual Thanksgiving day. So I'm traveling from Tampa to Atlanta. Then I'm going to Dallas, meeting the team back. So a lot of, a lot of, some of the other guys are, are doing the same thing, maybe going back to St. Louis, but it's, it's a lot of travel. And this is a, a situation that, you know, sometimes you run into these when, when you look at the season and uh, players typically always look at right around those holidays, like Christmas, Thanksgiving's the Halloween's and, you know, it's, it's a hiccup in the schedule, but unfortunately for the blues here, they got a little bit of the shaft to being on the road, uh, missing Thanksgiving and, but that's just part of it. I know a lot of the players were talking about going to the Dallas Cowboys game because since we're going to be in Dallas, that could be kind of a cool thing where everyone gets together. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. At least you can enjoy it. Enjoy that uh, as a player being away from your team if you're still away from your team. What was worse, Joe, Thanksgiving time as a hockey player or Christmas time as a hockey player? Uh, you know what? I I always I always thought it was tough Thanksgiving. I know it was tougher for Thanksgiving because Christmas, you know, it's it's obviously you're going to be home. The way they have the CBA now is every every team, every player gets three days off with their family. Um, and it wasn't like that when I came into the league. I actually remember traveling on Christmas Eve, so that was kind of a bummer. But um, Thanksgiving is a tough time, not only because of being away, Alex, from family, because it's kind of that that moment to give thanks. But, you know, not, not being able to, uh, or maybe I should say having the discipline to sit down at Thanksgiving dinner, not just completely stuff your face, knowing that you have a game <laughs> the following night. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah. God, I can only imagine trying to make sure you're not becoming overweight because more than likely you're either playing the game right after Thanksgiving or what I think would be worse is having the day off after Thanksgiving and then playing uh, two days after Thanksgiving because that's more time away from the game and more time for you to stuff your face and relax. Well, and too much time, as you know, Alex, for hockey players is it's, it's not it's not good for anyone, let alone hockey players. You know, I was talking to Dan Betlock, uh, our awesome producer, before the show even started, and, and he asked me, he goes, "Are, are you under an alias name?" Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about hotel hotels and you know the different the world of, of hockey players and and why we just haven't grown up. Uh, but you know, Sidney Crosby always went by uh, a Keanu Reeves character in, in all his movies, and it always rotated. So uh, <laughs> he was Johnny Utah. Uh, on some occasions, uh, we, we also discovered uh, Shane Falco from The Replacements. Shane he was that. Falco, and yes. I know. But, uh, you know, guys would always have fun with the names. And, and us hockey players, we, we got to figure out a way to stay busy and stay, um, you know, just, you know, just I just I want to say, like, um, dialed in on the road because you, you can get lonely. And uh, 
all kinds of pranks. Guys used to put leaners against the door. Have you ever heard of that, Alex? Where you, yeah. you get a trash bin from the hallway and you fill it with water and you lean it against someone's door and they open it and just completely floods it like a tidal wave. That Gosh. was always good. Um, and this is back in the when we had roommates too. Uh, one of my favorite things to do was if I had a roommate, I would go into the shower and I would actually point the head of the shower head right at like where the door's at. Oh. So you're in bed and a couple hours later, your roommate wants to take a shower late at night and all of a sudden you hear the shower go on and you go, ah, go! <laughs> and you get all fired up and pissed off. But uh, yeah, the life life of being back on the hotel, but what are you going to do? You got you to stay busy. You got to stay sharp. You got to keep yourself entertained. There's no doubt about it. Well, we got lots to get into. Of course, we're going to talk plenty blues hockey. And as always, you can join the conversation with Joe and myself, 65780. You can send us mic drops as Dan Betlock is standing by. He will get those mic drops a part of the program for you. And lots to touch on in the National Hockey League as well. Uh, some damage control right now by the NHL and the NHL Players Association. We'll touch on that. We have a weekly rant segment where I got a couple things I need to get off my chest, and hopefully Joe will be able to keep me calmed down with this. And we're going to talk with Steve Chapman a little bit about the upcoming All-Star Weekend that will be taking place here in St. Louis. But Joe, let's start with this past week for this Blues team. And you and I talked about this on Saturday night, that final home game where the Blues dropped a game to Nashville. Uh, after playing Nashville twice, They've played five straight games against a very desperate team. When you think of Anaheim that came in on a five-game losing streak, Tampa that was a 500 team, Calgary a five-game losing streak, and then Nashville on a six-game losing streak. Yeah, you know, you looked at all those teams, Alex, and, and it's just the way of the schedule. And, and I didn't think that if you looked at the schedule and would have said that though, at this point in the season – that this would be the time for a lot of desperate teams to come to St. Louis. I would say you got to be kidding me because you had Nashville on there. You had the Calgary Flames on there. You had the Tampa Bay Lightning on there. So you had a lot of great teams that you didn't expect at the time to be to be kind of desperate coming into St. Louis. But that's the way the Blues have had it. So not only are they getting teams best that are, are playing well, but you're getting even uh, the desperation uh, on top of the fact that you're the uh, defending Stanley Cup champion. So even more of a push. And in the game that you did, I mean, you had a great look at it. I mean, Nationals came out humming. They, they were completely humming. They did the exact same thing last night. And and the Blues have have got to, um, you know, slowly but surely keep, you know, hacking away at this thing early on to, to accept these pushes uh, from these desperate teams. And, and Alex, we've seen it a lot. But uh, the biggest reason why the Blues have, have maintained and have stayed ahead of it is because of the goaltending. It's just really that is the number one reason. Uh, you're getting some really big saves. And even even though Jake lets in two last night in that first period, he didn't he didn't allow it to get to three. He didn't allow it to get to four. And that's Jordan Bennington did the same thing in the game you did in, in St. Louis for the Nashville Predators. And uh, he lets those two goals up. Uh, but he kept it at two, and then sure enough, Clem Costin scores, and then you know I think it was Tyler Bozak on the on the back door on that power play in the second period that could have tied it at two. Mm-hmm. So um, this goaltending, you're getting the saves, uh, and you're keeping these pushes at bay, and you're keeping these pushes to a limited, um, kind of, I guess like a little bit of some some control at least for the Blues to kind of get opportunistic in that third period. But yeah, it's been interesting facing these teams that are struggling, and and you, you can tell the excitement, Alex. I've been in these locker rooms. You talk to these coaches after morning skates, and Everyone just seems to have a new business-like gear on the morning skates, and, and even in the locker room seems to be more serious, and, and they know they're, they're trying to knock off the champs, and, and that's why they're getting every team's best right now. i got to tell you, Joe, the goaltending has been the biggest part for me in this past week, and honestly, since the Blues beat the L.A. Kings and lost Vladimir Tarasenko, 
the goaltending has been the most dominant factor for the St. Louis Blues. And I was looking at some of the numbers last night after the shootout loss. So since October 25th, when they lost to the or when they beat the L.A. Kings, the goaltending has allowed four or more goals three times out of a total of 14 games. And in those 14 games, the goaltending has a 93 save percentage, which is the best in the National Hockey League in terms of tandem. There you go. I mean, that's the stats to back it up right there, Alex. And, and if you if you were to look at Jake Allen's, I mean, if you go back to when Craig Berube took over, I don't have my notes in front of me right now, but I saw a crazy stat today. Uh, Jake Allen's numbers since Craig Berube took over. Look at his road record, his road save percentage, and his goals again since Craig Berube took over. I think I want to say he's played like 23 or 24 so, road games since. So it's 24, but it's, it, it's 24 games, 12-6-6, six, six, a 2.30 goals against, and a 92 save percentage with three shutouts. I mean, look at that, a 92 save percentage on the road. Uh, you're keeping your goals against right around two and a half. I mean, uh, th- those are great numbers, and this is your backup. And this is your backup. So uh, Jake Allen has been, um, you know, a lot was talked about over last season about, you know, just his his veteran maturity, how he handled the Bennington situation, how he imitated Tuka Rass. I mean, some really great stories about just an overall good teammate. Um, you know, coming into this year, it was that he's going to be a good teammate, a good backup. I'm telling you now, the story's changing for Jake. Jake Jake is a, is back to his old ways where he looks like a dynamic goaltender. I mean, he looks like a starter. He looks like a starter again. Last night, I would have thought Jake Allen was our starter. I yeah. mean, and this is no d- disrespect to Jordan Bennington, but, I mean, he was just that good in that game. He's been good. He was good in the Edmonton game as well. I mean, he's been he's been a stud backup goalie for the St. Louis Blues. And and to, to, to your point, and, and it all comes full circle, uh, this is the biggest reason why the Blues have have hung on the way they have and, and are continuing to grab points on the road, especially. Well, one more, Joe, before we take a break and uh, come back and talk a little bit about the damage control that the NHL is in the middle of right now. The offense, that seems to be the big topic right now for this Blues team. And we'll talk more about this in the second hour tonight of this week in hockey. But I think despite the goaltending's ability to steal games for you and put you in a position to be first in the Central and be top two in the Western Conference, there are some issues that you need to solve when it comes to the offense. Well, you know, Alex, it's it's a situation where we all know what the Blues are. We know the Blues are not a very fast team. They've, they've even the players will admit that uh, they're not quick, they're not fast, and they don't have any like absolute studs like Austin Matthews. So they're this team was built around having really good players. And you know, the issue with this is that when you have a team like this, the way to win games is by playing a hard, grinded out style of hockey. Now, that's how they won the Stanley Cup last year. So this team was built to play that hard, run-and-gun style. Now, why is the offense dried up? Well, the offense, I think, in my opinion, is dried up because uh, that hard style is you're asking a lot from these players to do that for 82 games. And we knew that was going to be a question heading into the season. Uh, can this Blues team play that hard style that requires it's required them to win games? Can they do it for 82 games? And and my my answer at the time was no. I mean, because I, I played the game. I remember it's very hard to play that playoff style for 82 straight. But So I think that's why the scoring has dried up uh, just a bit. But again, you have the goaltending that's hanging on and hanging on. But 5-on-5 five five scoring, it, it does need to improve because at some point, uh, you're going to see a lull in the goaltending, and you're going to need you're going to need to have those games where where you score five goals against the Calgary Flames. I mean, those those are, are comforting for a goaltender, and and you know mentally, given given the goalies a, a bit of a break too, is, is something that's really important too. I mean, when Jordan Bennington sits on the bench, and Jake Allen's been playing this well, I mean, we all see it. Uh, Jordan can actually just sit back and relax and enjoy the game and enjoy the break because he's he's confident 
in, in what Jake's going to go do. And, and for the same reason that the forwards have got to do that same and make that feeling in your goaltender where, you know, some games give them, give them a little bit of a break where they can kind of take a mental rest where they get a, maybe a three, four goal cushion or you went in the game four to two late instead of these um, one nothing games or all these games going down the wire that are going to overtime. He's Joe Vitale. He is live from Tampa Bay as the Blues will take on the Lightning tomorrow night. I'm Alex Ferrario here in our 101 ESPN studios. It's This Week in Hockey. It comes your way every week. Blues talk with Joe Vitale. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Some damage control right now in the National Hockey League, and it's two teams in the Eastern Conference that's doing it. So we'll touch on that next on 101 ESPN. Welcome back into this week in hockey here on a Tuesday night. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. Blues in Tampa Bay in action tomorrow night. Two hours of hockey talk for you now. 65780 is our text line. We'll chat with Steve Chapman of the St. Louis Blues coming up in our next segment to give you some more info on the upcoming All-Star Weekend, the All-Star Game, and up in the uh, outdoor rink that's opened up in uh, Centene for Blues to be practicing on. So we'll talk a lot about that. But, Joe, when I say the names Mike Keenan and John Tortorella, what comes to mind? Ooh, I would say coaches that play mind games, Alex. Coaches that play mind games. That's exactly where I was going with it. And, <laughs> and there are two coaches right now, one without a job and another that could be without a job very soon that are in – the news when it comes to NHL storylines. And honestly, it's damage control right now. It's Mike Babcock, who was just let go from Toronto, and it's Bill Peters, who is currently the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Joe, let's start with Mike Babcock, and I want to get the player's perspective on this because the story started to leak once Babcock was let go. And the main story that has been talked about was Mitch Marner, who, of course, is a star for Toronto, but when he was a rookie, Mike Babcock had him fill out a list of names that he thought were not performing up to the level that was needed in practice, and it was supposed to be totally anonymous. And Babcock got the list from Neela, uh, from Marner and took it to his teammates and showed it to him and said that Marner wrote those. Well, yeah, me exactly. Exactly right, uh, Alex. And it's one of those things that – um, I tell you what, it's it's pretty incredible um, to look at what happened. I think he actually had them label uh, each player and rank them one to twenty about uh, who worked the hardest in practice. And of course, Mitch Marner put him on last. And you know, it was a mind game tactic that um, he was trying to motivate Mitch Marner, get him to understand that his practice habits need to be need to be up, and and he needs to be working harder. Uh, of course, it's. Uh, not in the best interest of the rookie that you're dealing with, if you're Mike Babcock, to, uh, who's trying to earn trust from his teammates and, and, and trust and get comfortable in this league, to to then go out and call the rookie out and, and say that, hey, this is what your teammate ranked you guys as far as who works the hardest in, in practice. It's very old school. I will say that. It's old school. These coaches like to play the mind games. Now, uh, the important thing to remember here is uh, Mike Babcock did not lose his job because of this, and this came out after he – got fired Correct. if this would have come out alex um while he was the head coach it would have been a funny story uh but nothing nothing quite like what bill peters is going through right now in calgary no there's no doubt about it so bill peters of the calgary flames and this story uh surfaced last night a player akeem alu who was in the ahl played in the nhl for a little bit then was in the echl he basically came out yesterday during the game and said that bill peters 
uh, used racial slurs towards him when it came to him playing in the game, basically wouldn't play him in any situations. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this was during his time with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, And... So it kind of started to blow up from there, and now you're getting more reports coming out of Bill Peters, you know, physically abusing, mentally abusing some of the players. It's an ongoing investigation, according to Brad Treveling, the GM for Calgary Flames. Uh, but this one is way more extreme. And honestly, Joe, I'm kind of surprised that Calgary didn't didn't get rid of him yet. Well, you know, I think what's going on uh, right now, I mean, at, at this rate, Alex, I mean, we may have like three coaches in the National Hockey <laughs> League this I'm time saying. tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if if you really go through all the, the bad things that coaches have said to me and if everyone thought about all the bad things coaches said to them and everyone kind of made it public, um, there, there'd be a lot of coaches that would have jobs. <laughs> but, you know, you're right, though, Alex. This, this is different, though, in the sense that um, the racial slurs have they have no no business in, in in the world, let alone the sport of hockey or any sport for that matter. So this is why this is a very serious subject. Uh, you mentioned the GM in Calgary. Uh, the only reason uh, he has not been let let go of, um, from what I what I've gathered so far, is they're still in the investigation um, phase of it all. They're trying to get all the pieces together, they're trying to talk to everyone, make sure that everyone's asking the right questions, every single question, and get everyone's angle before they before they ultimately make a decision but uh the other thing alex they had a couple other players in canada that have uh spoken on behalf of the player that, that said i think it was um akeem uh that that these were true and he did come in the locker room and he did say say these things in front of the whole team and um so it seems to be as if uh, he did say these things which um to me if he did which it looks like he did because other players are coming out and saying um that you know they are saying that uh, it's confirmed um, I, Bill Peters will be without a job. That's just that simple. Well, and here's the part that really got me. And, you know, beyond the racial slurs, you also had uh, a former player of a former teammate of Akeem Alou who talked about basically Bill Peters is on the bench, you know, smacking the guys in the back of the head and kicking them when they're on the bench. And, and the physical side of this is surprising to me too, Joe, because you, you, you have an awful lot of players that, you know, they'll come out and they talk about, you know, the brutal way that coaches were acting uh, in games, in practices, behind the scenes. But to the extent of where Bill Peters is at right now, I feel like that's what's being blown up, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that, you know, again, uh, I've had coaches kick me. I've had coaches yell terrible things at me. Um, you know, for example, uh, Alex, in college, I'll never forget our head coach, um, uh, Greg Cronin. He he went up to the board and he put uh, a circle and then he drew a circle around that circle and then a, a circle around that. So he had three circles. They almost like a, like a target. And he went around the room and all the players and one by one, he asked them, you know, I want to. I want to know from you guys where you fit as far of. Are you an? Are you a full in buy in player? Are you a core guy that belongs in the middle that drags people in, drags people in the fight, or are you kind of a, a floater on the outside that's kind of testing the waters a little bit? Maybe play the system sometimes. So he did this. He went around the entire room, <laughs> and every player had to tell the coach where they thought they belonged, and then the coach would ultimately make the final decision and put them exactly where they belong. So it was a humbling. It was a humbling exercise, but he did it in front of everyone. And so those those are the kind of mind games, and, and a lot of players were offended by it. But but that's hockey too. I mean, that's that's stuff that um, you just kind of do in college and juniors and coaches when they can get the benefit of the doubt for these players, and and they kind of you know, rule the roost, as they say, um, in the in the college industry. You know, that's that's that stuff's gonna happen. But you know what? At the end of the day, that that's just like finicky coaching stuff that 
guys play mind games and and they're dealing with pressure and all this other kind of stuff but you know the bill peters thing when, when you say those things that yeah. that just takes it to a whole new extreme so it, it, it honestly the only the only person that's probably benefiting from this news right now is mike babcock because now his his story is kind of right. getting swept under the rug well in his story to me joe seems like I mean, that's nothing to me. To me, that's being blown out of proportion by the Toronto media that, oh, my gosh, Mike Babcock was a horrible guy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, look, at the end of the day, his style of coaching won Stanley Cup championships. And I'm not saying that it's right, but, you know, from a former player's perspective, Joe, like – that's a style of coaching. Now, it gets lost in translation, and it doesn't work most of the time. I mean, look, Ken Hitchcock got stale after a while. John Tortorella got stale in Tampa. So it ends after a while. But when you go to the racial length, obviously that's the biggest issue. But everything else I feel like is just blown out of proportion because that's just the style of hockey. I agree. I, I Hockey, you know, Craig Berube has probably said things to these players that, you know, he probably wish he could could have said it in a different way. I mean, that's just the way that's the way hockey is. It's an intense sport. It's a fast sport. And you got to Alex, the biggest thing is you have to figure out how to motivate uh, even teenagers who are making uh, sometimes three times as much as you. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's kind of weird to think of it that way. But, you know, you look at um, a 19 year old kid. Um, making millions of dollars, and then you have a coach who's you know three times his age, but he's making a tenth of what he's making. And then it's your job to motivate the teenager about how to play. But you know, it's just it, it's a weird dynamic, and you can understand why hockey coaches you have to be the elite of the elite, not for systems. It's not X's and O's. I mean, there's only so many ways you can unpeel a banana. I mean, that's the way hockey is. There's only so only a few different ways. Uh, to win a game. X's and O's are throw them out the window. That's not why coaches coach, and that's not why GMs look for certain coaches to coach teams. It's it's understanding personalities. It's understanding individuals. And you can't treat every individual the same. As a coach, you got to know what motivates this person. You got to know what motivates that person. And Mike Babcock, maybe he thought that his team and Mitch Martin would be motivated um, through this way. And, that, and that's just really it. Mike Keenan's approach, um, what was that of – you know, you you can kind of be, uh, I guess, really on off off the line a little bit and and kind of say cruel things and harsh things. But he did it so that the players almost hated him to the point where they kind of came together as a group and it worked for them. So it's just it's one of those things where it's just a coaching style. And again, I think if this happens, Alex, you know this better than anyone. If, if this happens in any other city than Toronto, I think it's a, yep. I think it's a fluffy story. It's brushed under the rug. I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, even Herb Brooks had the famous quote with the, uh, with the miracle team of, you know, my goal is to make them hate me. So, you know, so they all bond together, like what you just talked about. And that's what Mike Keenan did. That's what Scotty Bowman used to do. I've heard Jamie Rivers talk about it. Heck, that's what, um, that's what John Tortorella has done with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I think that's where the success comes from. So, Joe, my final question on this as we wrap this up, do you feel like the NHL is in a little bit of damage control now to try and right the ship with all of this? Uh, yes, big time. I mean, this this is something that, um, you know, we, we see this, Alex. It, it's changed a lot. I mean, with the racial serve, we saw Colin Kaepernick uh, in the NFL. Um, we've seen stuff come out. Um, you know, Fox News about some scandals this past couple years as well. I mean, things are, are coming out, right? And and entertainment businesses and Hollywood and sports are evolving with it. They're changing with it uh, because of the, some of the bad things that have come out about it. I think this is just hockey joining the party. I think this is hockey with someone who came out and spoke about it 
and said, this is going on. These are the things that are happening. And now the NHL, you got to ramp it up. Now everything's going to be on high alert and you got to really watch what you say and watch what you do. And, and it's just kind of joining this, the fact that it's a much more sensitive world out there. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, no one, no one should feel like going to a locker room and and being harassed uh, the way that player was too. So, and you want to weed that out. And I think this is going to be the NHL on high alert from here moving forward. There's no doubt about it. That's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. We're going to take a quick break and give you a little more detail about the upcoming All-Star Weekend in January. Of course, the All-Star Game being played at Enterprise Center on January 25th. We'll talk all of this over with Steve Chapman of the St. Louis Blues next here on This Hockey on 101 ESPN. Welcome back into this week in hockey. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you as Joey is out in Tampa as the Blues will take on the Lightning tomorrow night, then off for Thanksgiving, back in action on Friday, and then back home on Saturday when the Blues take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. All-Star weekend is coming up. All-Star game is coming up in January towards the end at Enterprise Center. Of course, St. Louis hosting the All-Star game. And figure why not talk a little bit more about it and get you all the information you need. Heck, right now around (laughs) Christmas time is the perfect time to get set for this. And to talk all that and more, we welcome in the Executive Vice President, Chief Revenue Officer for the St. Louis Blues. He's one of my favorites. I know he's one of your favorites, Joe. It's Steve Chapman. Steve, what's going on, sir? How are you? Hey guys, what's going on tonight? Not a whole lot. It was always good. I, anytime you can get a Hall of Famer on the uh, the the show with us, that's what we need to do. Well, this Hall of Famer needs to be down at Burn Steakhouse with uh, with Joey tonight. <laughs> and not only that, Alex, but uh, Chappia, a good a good Kirkwood boy, just like myself. He's a fellow Kirkwoodian. Can't have too many Kirkwoodians on the air at the same time. I've always said that. <laughs> that that's your one saying. So that's my one scene. I actually have it tattooed on my back. <laughs> and and Chappy, apparently Joey was going to take his shirt off in Tampa, but he was just afraid of scaring all the, the, the honeys away, so he decided to keep it on. Oh, wow. I think, I think of the three of us, he had the best chance of not doing that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. Amen to that, Steve. Amen to that. Well, Steve, talk to us a little bit about the All-Star Weekend. You know, it was announced, I believe, last week about this fanfare. Uh, and more information is on the Blues website at stlblues.com. But uh, just give our listeners a little idea of what this All-Star Fanfare is going to entail. Well, it's down at Union Station, which is going to be really cool. You know, Union Station has gotten... Uh, They've done a lot of renovations. They have the aquarium down there now. Um, they've got the you know the wheel and all that stuff. And we just thought a lot of the times with the All Star Game they'll put the uh, they'll put the fanfare um, you know at a local convention hall or something like that, and that's fine. But uh, but with Union Station being just a couple blocks away and the history of it and, and just honestly the ambiance and everything else, we just thought that would be a great location for it. So it's going to run from uh, from essentially Thursday through Sunday. And um, tickets are on sale now. They've they've already told us that this doesn't surprise any of us. I don't think it, tickets in St. Louis for the fanfare are selling you know at a, at a more brisk pace than they've sold for any All Star game that they can remember. And uh, and so tickets are on sale now. Certainly suggest fans go to uh, to NHL.com and uh, and buy them quickly. Chappy, what are some of the activities uh, that you have planned uh, for kids on the outside, or just uh, any guest appearances, uh, music? What 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 are some of the uh, details you can give out as far as just the activities that fans can look forward to? Well, it's uh, there's quite a bit going on. Um, starts you know the fanfare opens on Thursday. There's there's several things going on down there, Joey. There's uh, all sorts of exhibits, fan interactives. Uh, there will be some players um, signing autographs and things like that. You could go see the Stanley Cup if you didn't 
if you if you are one of the few people who that we did <laughs> the Stanley Cup to this summer, you can uh, you can see the Stanley Cup down in Fanfare. Uh, we're also down at Winterfest. Winterfest is a event that's held at Keener Plaza and done in conjunction with the Arch Ground. And there'll be a lot of activities down there too. Uh, a public ice skating rink. We've got some uh, some three on three hockey going. Uh, so a lot of events along those lines. And then on Friday, I'm sorry, on Thursday night, there's actually a media event at Steeple Theater. And the media event, I, I guess the best way to describe it, last year was the first year that they started it out in San Jose. And I think the best way to describe it is, is, is if people have ever ever seen kind of the, the media day that they do right before the Super Bowl where all the players are down there and there's kind of opportunities for interviews and to see them and all that. It's open to the public, and that's going to be at Steeple Theater on Thursday. And then on Friday, it just starts up. Fanfare will be open again. The skills competition that night. Um, Saturday morning, there's a 5K that we will be announcing soon that will run through downtown St. Louis, an all-star 5K. Uh, Fanfare will be open again. And then, um, and then the all-star game on Saturday night. There are a few things that we are in the works with. One, one thing it's important to remember is it's, it's the NHL's event. So they do a lot of the planning and we do a lot of the support work around it. I do know that there's uh, a lot of different talk about uh, some bands and things like that, but hopefully we're able to announce that sometime in the next month or so. Again, we're talking with Steve Chapman, Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer for the St. Louis Blues about All-Star Weekend Fanfare, which will be January 23rd through the 26th. Of course, the skills competitions on the 24th, and then the All-Star Game will be played on January 25th. And Steve, I want to go back to something that you mentioned about, you know, NHL talking about how these tickets are already selling at a fast rate when it comes to being in St. Louis. You've been with this organization now nearly five years. You've seen the Winter Classic. You've seen the Stanley Cup. You've seen the watch parties that have taken place at Enterprise Center. Does it surprise you at all about the outpouring of fans when it comes to hockey? And not just diehard Blues fans, but just generic sports fans of how they interact and how they just jump right in with all of these events that take place? No, it absolutely does not. You know, one of the things, I've been in St. Louis, it shocks me to say this, but come uh, come March, I'll, I'll have been in St. Louis for five years. And I'll tell you, uh, the one thing that I, that I noticed almost immediately, there's two things that in our world that I noticed. One is, is the hockey community. Um, I grew up back east. You know, Joey went to school in Boston. I grew up just south of Boston. And I, it's not quite in, in the, the number of, uh, of associations and things like that, you know, isn't quite on that level. But the, but the passion of it and the, the skill of it and the coaching and the depth of it, it's, it's really impressive. And so, you know, first of all, that's one thing. But the second thing is, and uh, I've had several people from St. Louis tell me this, they're like, hey, we don't have beaches, we don't have mountains, but we do have our sports teams and we love them. <laughs> And I, you know, I can't agree more. I mean, the, the outpouring that we had at Winter Classic, not only the Winter Classic, but the alumni game the day before was packed. Um, the other thing, candidly, I remember was shortly after um, the Winter Classic, Barry Deach and the guys from the PGA approached us, and they were a little concerned about, you know, the potential of the ticket sales for the U.S. Open. And they came down to meet us, and, and I remember just telling them, guys, you don't need to worry about it. Just put them on sale and watch what happens. And, uh, and then you saw on television just, you know, the, the announcers talking about the tremendous crowds that they'd never really seen, you know, such a turnout and, and just, you know, how supportive the local community was. So all of that helped us to uh, – oh, and then, I mean, 
and then we make the Stanley Cup Finals. And <laughs> not only, obviously, are the games sold out, but the watch parties are sold out. There's 50,000 people downtown on Game Six outside watching, you know, watching the game. We've got uh, in the rain at Bush Stadium, 30,000 people to watch. It's the support in this community for for sports teams, and, and honestly, just for the community itself. I, I think is is. It's it's one of the greatest assets that St. Louis has, and it's something that they should be widely known for. Well, Chad, you talked a lot about uh, community, and I have a date with my son on Saturday to join some of the community in St. Louis uh, because I'm seeing on social media, I haven't seen it with my own eyes yet, but apparently there's a new outdoor rink in St. Louis. What's the latest on what's going on uh, out at the Centene Ice Rink? Yeah, that's right, the barn. It's, uh, it opened about a week ago. And if you haven't been out to Centene Ice Center, I tell you, well, whether you skate or not, you should go out to it because whether it was through, you know, my minor league hockey career as a GM or whether it was through my son playing, I have been all over the country and gone to, uh, to rinks. And the Centene Ice Center, I cannot tell you if I've ever seen one that's done better. It's outstanding. Uh, Legacy Ice Foundation, Patty Quinn headed that up, had that project up for us. It was a, uh, it was a brainchild of uh, Chris Zimmerman, and, and I can't tell you through the whole process how many times it just felt like, boy, is this thing ever going to really come to fruition? Um, but through a lot of people's uh, hard work, it did, and it is outstanding. And uh, the barn opened about a week ago. It's a covered area. It's uh, an outdoor rink. And, uh, yeah, uh, Joey, you're going to love it. It's absolutely great. And and, uh, and when that thing is, is said and done, when it's all finished, it is it, it might be the best rink in all of America. So, Chappie, are you planning on getting out on that rink and getting some uh, some uh, stick and puck in? Oh, there's no doubt. I got to get. Uh, actually, my son and I were talking about it. Um, we were thinking about going out there this past weekend, but uh, but he's we're still in the middle. Of, I got a daughter playing travel soccer, a son playing high school and and travel hockey, and uh, you know how that goes. And you got a daughter that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was a full ride to Lindenwood, correct? That's exactly right. She's uh, well. I don't know if there's anything such thing as a full ride in uh, <laughs> college anymore, but uh, but yeah, she's really happy to, to sign up there. Um, great college. I, I, that's another thing that impressed me. You go out there, like the the uh, the campus is beautiful. It's in a great area, but she's really excited to go. That's awesome. Well, Steve Chapman, we always appreciate the chance to get to catch up with you. Thank you for joining us here on this week in hockey, and uh, we can't wait for this All Star Weekend to take place. You got it. Joey, take those boys to Burns. Huh? Have a good time. We're going to do it, Chad. Thanks for your time, buddy. Say say hello to everyone back home in Kirkwood for me. I sure will. There you go. Steve Chapman with us here on This Week in Hockey. Boy, Joe, you and Kirkwood. That's that. That's it, isn't it? Represent. He's just, he's just a good Kirkwood boy. I mean, there's a lot of good Kirkwood boys running around town, and you just got you, you to gotta call a spade a spade, Alex. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Hey, you know what? I, I the moment I met you, I said, you know what? This is a, this is just a good old northeastern CBC Kirkwood guy. That's just it. You know? That's just it. Steve Chapman, he's one of my he's one of my all time favorites. Um, you know, we 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 love imitating certain personalities, Alex, as you know, around the rink, and yeah. and whenever someone busts out a, all right, brother, I'm gonna tell you something right now. <laughs> whenever someone can bust out a Steve Chapman, always gives me. Uh, always gives me some some great delight let's just leave it at that honestly if you ever get the chance to meet joe vitale 
Just ask him to do an imitation of someone because he's – I think you've nailed pretty much every beat writer for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, hey, you know what? <laughs> We've got some good ones. Now, the, the beat writers, I, I, I need to be in person because yeah. a lot of them is, is body language. Yeah. Like Jim Thomas, he, he just – he has his head down and his arm up and he's trying to get a question out and he knows what he wants to say, but it's kind of delayed a little bit. And then, of course, JR, he always, uh, I call him JR Two Fingers. Always two questions, that guy, always. <laughs> and the follow up is always a question where the, it, when he follows up, they forget the first question. Always, always, without question. I don't know why he always does it. Sorry. I got something in my throat, Alex. You got to take this. <laughs> You're good, Joe. We'll take it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's a couple <laughs> of things that I'm fired up about, and they all include the St. Louis Blues. So we're going to touch on that next as we wrap up hour number one of This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. <laughs> back in on This Week in Hockey, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. Two hours of hockey talk for you tonight. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to dive into Clem Costin. I know a lot of people are questioning the guy being sent down to the minors after scoring his first NHL goal and after spending three seasons, or not three seasons, playing in three games for the Blues. So we'll talk a little bit about that coming up in our next segment. But first off, let's make sure Joe's alive after that last break. Joe, you surviving on us? Dude, I'm good. I, I don't know what happened. I felt like I got like a piece of red pepper stuck in the back of my throat i just I, I went completely limp i'm surprised i i'm surprised i'm still breathing well, you didn't respond to us when we were in break and i wanted to make sure you didn't like pass out in your hotel room or something i gotta call the, panger and tell him to go check on you th- that would be one way to go out wouldn't it uh, how did how did joe pass oh he was just doing a live show on the air and bam that was it i mean technically like, we would we would have that audio for the rest yeah, of time you, you would have my final words, at least to give to my kids. I mean, that's the that's good news, Talk, I guess. Talking to your wife and your kids, what, what did Dad say before he went? Uh, hold on, Alex, you got to take this. <laughs> his his final words were, oh, Alex, you got to take this. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad we can shed a little light on that. That's yeah. uh yeah, good stuff right there. People need behind the scenes of all of those. So, well, we know Joe's good. So, Joe, I'm going to need your help on this one because we need to get to my to weekly rant segment. And just to give you an idea of what this segment was, when Joe and I kind of came up with the idea of our show this season, you know, a lot of people get heated on a lot of different topics. So we're going to open this up for the fans. If they're heated about something, whether it's hockey, some type of other sport, or heck, maybe it's just you're heated about something in general. This is your opportunity to let it out. And, Joe, I'm going to start because (laughs) the narrative of the St. Louis Blues being a dirty team is really starting to tick me off. Like, I understand the Bortuzzo cross-check, the second one that gave him a four-game suspension. Like, this is is a not-hockey play. And Robert Bortuzzo, a three-time offender, you are very familiar with Bortuzzo. I've been around the guy. I understand that he is not a dirty player but I just don't understand the narrative of Robert Bortuzzo turning the St. Louis Blues into a dirty team. They've never been a dirty team. You go back to the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, specifically against the Boston Bruins, they weren't dirty. They were playing heavy. I I think people don't understand the difference between heavy hockey and dirty hockey. I agree, Alex. I mean, this is a a heavy and a hard team. And and I know that Robert Bortuzzo, he gets that suspension, but I mean, you don't think every team is looking at what happened right there and every scouting report for every opponent the Blues are going to be facing here in the near future. They're going to tell all their players, like, hey, 
This this is a team that defends their net very hard. And all those players saw what Robert Bortuzzo did. Now, again, you don't ever want to see anyone get hurt. But uh, from a tactical standpoint, uh, you have players like Robert Bortuzzo and Braden Shen that defend their teammates and defend the front of the net very hard. Forwards will look at that. And they, they will know when they're playing against the St. Louis Blues, do I want to get to the net? Do I really want to get to the net? Because those cross-checks looked pretty brutal a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I want to go quite just there yet. So I agree. Heavy, hard hockey. I mean, again, that, that was a suspension. Robert even knows it. He may have crossed the line a, a little bit. But, you know, the other one, uh, Alex, it, it jumps out uh, for people that have heard some comments as well is the Brayden Chen hit on Kucherov, who we're going to see tomorrow night again here in Tampa Bay. You know, he missed a couple games. But uh, was that Chen hit questionable? He kind of caught Kucherov after the play was passed. Of course, he didn't get hockey hit, uh, but but was it a necessary hit? And that's the argument for people. I love the hit personally, but uh, Braden Chen, I mean, the, the, that's the style and that's the attitude for a lot of these players on this Blues team. Well, and the reason that it bothers me so much, Joe, is because if you look at the way that the Blues play, like they're the anomaly, I feel like, in the NHL. Like if you look at how the St. Louis Blues are structured, we, you already mentioned it. They're not a fast team. They don't try and win hockey games because of speed. They're a big-bodied team that goes to the net and because of that, they play a four-check, a heavy-hitting style of hockey. And I think everyone else in the NHL is trying to adapt to that speed style. Everyone, if you look at, you know, that the Blues played in the playoffs last year, the Boston Bruins, the Winnipeg Jets, the San Jose Sharks, and the Dallas Stars, they all try and play fast. The Blues play heavy. And I just don't really understand the necessity of, oh, well, this team's really dirty. And, you know, the one that really kind of grinded my gears, Joe, was uh, a beat writer for the Boston Bruins, and I won't use his name, but he put an article out there that was basically citing the dirty play that just carried over from the Stanley Cup final last year. And I don't remember, I, I specifically remember a dirtier hit from Tory Krug on Robert Thomas before I was worried about the Blues having dirty plays in the playoffs. You know, he was probably referring, uh, I believe it was, wasn't it Tyler Bozak who kind of slew-footed uh, a Corrali or yeah. Atari there? And I think it, it was Atari, yeah. David, yeah, I think it set up that David Perron goal. Of course, there was no call in the play. You know, again, that to me, Alex, it's uh, it, it's heavy hitting. It's hard hockey. And, uh, you know, I think I think Boston's still a little, little, little sour. I, I think, think there's so. some sourness still coming from Beantown. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any doubt about it. So as, as I put a bow on this conversation of – uh, the Blues being dirty. Joe, I want you to hear a little cut from Craig Button of TSN. He was on our broadcast last night in the intermission with me in the pregame with me to talk about the narrative of the St. Louis Blues being dirty. So that's Craig Button of TSN. And Joe, the final point, maybe not so much that's that's frustrating me, but I'm kind of annoyed by it, is the narrative of teams having a St. Louis Blues turnaround of the season. Toronto fires their coach midseason. They go out and they win two games, and then everyone's talking about Toronto becoming the next St. Louis Blues from last year. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I, I completely disagree with anyone out there who is uh, comparing the Toronto Maple Leafs to what the St. Louis Blues did. And you're right, they lose their coach right about the same time Mike Yo got fired. Um, but the biggest thing for me, Alex, that, that I, I believe why the Toronto Maple Leafs will not win the Stanley Cup this year and do exactly what the Blues did last year, like everyone's talking about, is because the Toronto Maple Leafs, they, they can't defend. They don't have any defensemen besides – um, you look at Riley on the back end, you know, Tyson Berry, he's kind of an up and down, Jake Muzzin, but those guys are uh, unrestricted free agents after this year. So they're going to have a defensive problem, uh, number one. 
And then number two, as, as we're seeing, they have four guys making $40 million. And and once once those guys slow down, the depth will be tested. And I just don't see the depth. The Blues had pieces last year. When we when we lost Mike Yo, we were we were a good team. We had good depth. We had great defensemen, and we had really good goaltending at the time. And it really, it was just a matter of just getting the systems in play. And uh, Toronto's got a little bit more, uh, a couple more steps, I think, before you just can fire a coach and, and turn a season on. In my opinion, anyway. No, there's no doubt about that, and that's why it's so odd that that's where they go to. It's like, oh, yeah, this team's going to find a way to go from – first of all, they're, they're not even at the bottom of the standings like the Blues are. I mean, the Blues were third to the bottom, and Toronto's within striking distance even before they went on a two-game win streak of a playoff position. So a uh, completely different story, in my opinion, between the Blues and what the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing at this point of the year. That's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey. Let's wrap up the first hour. We'll come back with more. Clem Costin, back to the AA. He's in the lineup tonight, and fans are not happy about it. We'll talk with Joe about that next here on 101 ESPN.